Welcome to the DPM podcast, where we go beyond theory to give advice that works for leading better digital projects. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Afton, founder of the Digital Project Manager. So you've got your new PM hire, they're sat next to you, but you can't help but notice they're spending their entire day scrolling through Facebook. Why is that? Well, maybe it's because you haven't had a chance to onboard them properly. After all, it takes a really long time, right? So you've got the new hire, but they can't do any work. Now you're stretched and you're mad. Uh, But the good news is it doesn't need to be this way. So keep listening because in today's podcast, we're going to help you understand how to quickly and effectively onboard new staff and team members. This podcast is brought to you by Clarison, the leader in enterprise project and portfolio management software. Visit clarison.com to learn more. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Hogan, and she's a lead project manager at Booz Allen Hamilton, based out of Washington, D.C. She's a PMP certified PM, a strategy consultant uh, with over a decade of experience. And her career is really focused on incorporating project management techniques, somewhat stealthily sometimes, to advance strategy and improve process. She's got a brilliant blog, so check out sarahhoban.com to read all about her PM adventures and more. But Sarah, welcome and thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Ben. Thanks. Great to be here. So firstly, I'm always curious to know what people are up to in terms of projects they're working on. So what's new for you at the moment? Actually, a lot is going on. Uh, I just started up uh, four new projects this week at the same time. Wow. um, Which has been interesting. (laughs) I can't say I'm an expert by any means in any of them, um, but they're related to facilities and transportation, which is a lot of the work that I've done in the past. So it should be really exciting and interesting work. So eager to get started. So was it your idea to start all four projects in the same week or is that kind of thrust upon you? Um, yeah, I think one of them was planned and then the other three were unplanned, but that's what makes it fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, let's talk about like starting a new project in terms of, it sounds like they were, you know, unplanned kickoffs maybe, mm-hmm. but in that kind of uh, scenario, which happens to a lot of us, I think, where all of a sudden out the window goes the the normal or the ideal way of starting the project and we kind of have to do this all of a sudden what's your kind of mvp for a project kickoff in that scenario yeah so i think it's so in my case it wasn't actually a kickoff for a new uh project it was transitioning from another pm um who um, who departed so it was kind of trying to get up to speed on where they were and how to institute, you know, your flavor and style into things. So I think it's not trying to make too many waves at once, but just figuring out a little bit, um, a little bit of the areas where you can add some value right off the bat. And um, that's one thing. And the second thing I think is connecting with your stakeholders and, you know, getting to build that relationship with them, probably the, the two most important things to think about most immediately getting started. Yeah. And so tell me about that kind of stakeholder engagement. What's your, how do you like to do that? Yeah, so I like to do um, a one-on-one introduction with each of the, um, the, you know, the client POCs that I'm going to be working with, as well as with my team members. I think that's super important. Um, so particularly with the team members, I try to sit down with them and kind of understand, you know, what their role has been in the project to date. You know, do they want yeah. to do more? Are they looking for a different role? And just get to know them as a person, um, as opposed to, um, you know, they're, they're being thrust upon um, this new PM and they don't know who I am or, you know, what I'm going to make them do type of thing. So get to know them as a person, I think is super important. Yeah. And I mean, is all your team uh, co-located or are you doing much of that remotely? Uh, so far it's remote. Um, there's a few folks co-located with me in uh, DC, but a couple folks um, scattered throughout the, the US. So a little bit of both. 
Yeah. And so do you find that challenging sometimes, like trying to build rapport with people? Um, you know, you're meeting them for the first time. You're the new PM <laughs> and they're like, what is going on? Who's this person? And, um, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you get them to like you? Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's definitely harder when they're remote, um, because I think it's harder to kind of build that, that trust and that immediacy. I think one thing that I like to do is I try to admit my vulnerability, you know, I tell them, you guys know more about this project than I do. So you need to educate me yeah. a little bit. And I think that puts people at ease. Yeah. Nice. And so, I mean, apart from taking on lots of projects and dealing with projects that are midway through that are, you know, always tough, within your role more generally, what are the kind of challenges, the project management challenges um, that you're dealing with? Yeah. So I think it's, um, you know, taking over a project where there maybe wasn't as much structure in place or, um, you know, defined ways of doing things and trying to figure out ways to introduce um, some of that structure without, um, you know, breaking the bank. Um, so getting a handle on um, budget and roles and um, where we can add some value or make things a little bit easier. So I think that's one challenge. Yeah. And then I think the other is, um, you know, as I'm taking on a bigger portfolio of projects, just trying to figure out how to better balance that and try to get out of the um, the details that I don't need to be inv as involved in. And really pushing control is really hard, especially when you're less familiar with the work. Um, so I'm kind of yeah. working through that right now personally. Nice. And it, as you do that, I mean, you're taking on new projects, you're looking at a portfolio of projects. What is in your toolkit right now? How what What do you use to manage the different work streams and the projects themselves? Yeah, so I have um, spend plans that I set up for each of the projects. And I think that once I um, kind of get that together, that that at least gives me a sigh of relief because I can, you know, understand what what um, parameters I'm dealing with in terms of the budget. I think that's the first thing I like yeah. to do apart from meeting the people, which I already talked about. Um, and then I think the next thing is kind of sitting down um, and, and really reading through all of the, you know, big um, project documents, you know, the the contract documents, the charter, the scope statement, just to make sure I'm, I'm starting to familiarize myself with the work. Um, and then really doing a lot of listening, you know, sitting in calls and, and not being the one to talk and to run the show as much, but to try to take a back seat and, um, you know, let, let the project run its course, but, but be available to kind of direct it to the way that it needs to go. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So and in terms of software tools that you use, what's, um, what's your favorite software to use to manage projects right now? Oh, I'm obsessed with Microsoft planner. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, it's a, I, I guess I'm not necessarily tied with planner specifically, but just the idea of the Kanban board tool has been huge. Um, that's been a really great way to help me see across a portfolio of projects, um, what I've got going on and helps me plan my day and understand the priorities. So I'm not kind of like running around scattered, um, even though sometimes it feels like that, <laughs> um, to try to just get a better handle on how everything's going on and also get my um, junior PM's visibility into everything that's going on too. So you run the, you're just using that yourself to manage the project, so you're getting your team to use the tool too? The teams are using it as well, yes. Yeah, cool. And is there um, anything else that you found recently that... Um, yeah, that's making your life more awesome. I mean, you talked about Microsoft Planner. Anything, any other tools or uh, hacks that you've discovered? Yeah, I think Planner is the big one for me. Um, I think the other thing that I've tried to do is um, put a little bit more um, of a boundary around some of my time. So right. making sure that I'm carving out, um, even though I've got a lot going on, carving out time for me so that I can come back and be refreshed at work and um, 
you know, be able to be there for my team. So I don't know if it's a hack, yeah. but time management, <laughs> trying to improve is a continuous, yeah. continuous effort. So, and what do you do? How do you recharge and, and get yourself disconnected from the the grind of the project? Yeah. So twice a week, I after work, I, I leave work at four and go to the gym. And that's like sacred time. Um, and then I'll, if I need to come yeah. back online later, I do. But I'm out of there. And then um, I also try to work out um, two mornings a week. So I kind of vary it. Some days I'm in early, some days I leave early. Um, but I'll just compensate yeah. another end. So that's hugely important. If I give that up, I'm I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah cool and i mean you've got your own blog sarahhoban.com um which is inspiring other project managers but where do you go to get inspiration and to develop personally yeah that's a really good question um so i read a lot um, about the digital project manager um i really enjoy the trello blog too um and um girls got to pm is great um, I read a couple of them on a, on a frequent basis. I read a lot of fast company articles, yeah. um, and I read a lot of books about productivity, um, which, uh, I know sounds a little nerdy, but that's kind of like what helps me unwind a little bit. <laughs> Sad to say. <laughs> um, so right now I'm reading the seven habits Any of highly effective people, which I know is a classic. Um, and I'm not even a quarter of the way through it, but I, yeah. I love it. It's already really good. So I highly recommend it. And you're now highly effective. Um, I'm still in the phase of like, what does that mean to be highly effective? So so far, I'm like feeling good. Yeah. Like, okay, concept is down. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I'll discover my flaws soon. Cool. Enough. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your post. I mean, talking about being effective. Um, your post really is about being effective in terms of onboarding new team members, and um, yeah. It, and making sure that other people around us are as effective, uh, as effective as they can be as quickly as possible. Um, and, and in Sarah's post, she talks about how when we get round to hiring a, a new team member, the real challenge is getting them up to speed quickly. And in Sarah's post, which you haven't read, if you haven't read it yet, take a read. Uh, she talks through what to include in an employee handbook, some great examples, um, and employee handbooks can also be called, you know, standard operating procedures, onboarding guides, uh, user manuals. Um, but basically, at the heart of the article is really thinking about operationalizing the onboarding process so it's effective, it's efficient, and it's repeatable. But um, let's go back to the, you know, the crux of the argument: Do we really need to do this? Um, why? I mean, why should we care about onboarding people? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there's multiple reasons for that. I mean, one is you want to make sure that when you bring people on, they have a positive experience right from the get-go. Um, I know sometimes that can be the lowest priority on the list, as I talk a little bit about in the article, just because we've got a lot of stuff going on and we figure people can figure it out. You know, we did, so why can't they? Um, but I think it's really important to establish yeah. a team um, culture that shows that you respect and value its members and, and treat them as people and value their time and want to welcome them as part of the team. So I think having a plan um, to get those people um, you know, up to speed early is really important. I never really thought it was that important until yeah. I started talking to some more of my um, folks who had been with the team for um, you know, six months to a year. And they, you know, if there was something that happened during the onboarding process that was not you know, ideal, it would come up. It could be like the smallest thing that I wouldn't even think about that somebody would remember, but those kind of first impressions do make an impact. So I think that's really important. And then the second thing I think is, is for your own sanity, because I think um, a lot of times when people first start, um, there's this period where they don't have a ton going on. And there's a time where you can really capitalize on that to help take care of some of the things on your 
laundry list um, or housekeeping list around around the office sometimes that um, it's good to take advantage of those people's um, time to get done. So having that plan in place is really important too. Yeah, definitely. I think first impressions do count so much. And so often I think, um, yeah, like you say, those first impressions are made in, in the first few days. And I think sometimes we can think, hey, well, I had a baptism of fire. <laughs> and so, you know, that's sink or swim. It's part of the experience. But I think, you know, if we can help people have a good experience and help them feel effective and, you know, like they're able to do something, um, when they start, I think it, it's really important. And I think it's important as well. And, and we talk about this uh, in your post, but, you know, there's different levels of onboarding and, um, you know, there's onboarding onto the uh, organization or our agency. And then it kind of drills down from there. There's like that kind of high level stuff. But then there's also onto the team. And as we were talking about just now, like onto the project itself and then into the role. Um, so, I mean, what's your kind of take on how that onboarding process should work? I mean, you were talking just a minute ago about onboarding onto a project, but in terms of it, when we're thinking about onboarding holistically, um, mm-hmm. is it always a, a kind of a one size fits all or how do you uh, tailor that to make it effective for the, you know, for the onboarding process that you're trying to do? Yeah, no, I think for the agency or organization level, it's good if it's consistent, regardless of the the role or the project or the team that they're going to be assigned to, um, because I think that that establishes, you know, kind of what the company culture is and and how they can find their their place into it. So any sort of standard, I think standardization at that level is important, but I do think it it should be customized and not necessarily one one size fits all once you start to drill down, like you said, into those other aspects. So into the team, um, you know, every team has a different flavor set of personalities associated with it. And then the project may have different priorities um, or things that um, should be focused on as part of the onboarding process. And then finally, the role is obviously going to be very individualistic. So I think that's somewhat up to the, the new hire to kind of decide. Um, but it's it's important to provide that that overall structure to help guide them into what that looks like. Hmm. I mean, well, so let's talk about bad onboarding because I think it's a, a funny place to start. <laughs> but I mean, what, what have you been... Um, well, have you had any bad onboarding experiences? I guess you've been at Booz Allen for a decade, but um, prior to Booz Allen or within Booz Allen, you know, as we're talking about onboarding onto teams, projects and roles, I'm sure you've had experiences of that. So what what do you, what does bad onboarding look like to you? Yeah. And, and I think there's a, um, I think everybody knows it when they see it, right. It's like, you're not, um, you show up and, and nobody really seems to like even remember that you were going to start and there's like not a plan <laughs> for you, um, which is okay. You know, you kind of expect there to be some ambiguity, but if there's like, I remember taking internships where it was like kind of a surprise that this was like my first week. Oh yeah. Right. We have an intern. And then it was like, people didn't quite know what to do with me. Um, so to me, that can be, that's definitely a sign of a, a bad onboarding experience. And then I think even in the, kind of hiring process, making sure that there's those open lines of communication between the hiring manager, the recruiter, and the um, prospective hire is important. And then I think once you start, it's, it's um, you know, tr- dropping the person a note to kind of let them know ex- that you're excited about their first day in advance goes a really long way, um, yeah. as opposed to like, I guess the opposite, which would be lack of communication and lack of a plan. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes this all goes out the window when it's a bit of a scramble. Oh yeah, and it's often a bit. Of, or it's often a scramble when 
you know, there's uh, a new project's come in and you're trying to rapidly scale the team and you bring on people. And I have been, you know, guilty of this where you finally hire someone on Friday, they're starting on Monday, and then they turn up on Monday and you haven't even got a, like, computer for them yet. Yeah. And you're, like, scrambling around in the morning trying to find a desk for them and Mm -hmm. monitors and a computer. And you're like, oh, this is really, really bad. So yeah, I've I've certainly been guilty of some some bad onboarding, and I think one of the um, switching it round in terms of good onboarding, one of the things that uh, we have started doing is uh, yeah putting the onboarding process into Trello. So there's a big Kanban board uh-huh. of um, you know documents that people can read um, in in terms of you know, think of it as a process, like here's what you do in week one, week two, mm-hmm. week three, uh, and kind of putting it all in there so that you can just create a new Trello board for each person and, and they can follow it along. But um, what does, yeah, going high level to like what we should include in this board or in this process, what does good onboarding look like to you? Yeah, so I think I think there are several things. I think um, one aspect of it is um, kind of before they start, which we talked about a little bit, but I think once you bring the person on, it's having some sort of a guide or document in place so that um, it helps you as the hiring manager feel less like you're scrambling before the person starts. Um, so something we started recently doing on my team was we put together this onboarding guide and we had the most recent hire kind of develop it. So based on their experience, you know, right. what does the agency information look like? Um, so some of that is captured, you know, it's a large company, so there's a lot of that is already being done. But in terms of specifically to our team, you know, what are the things to think about? Um, and we also created a separate guide, too, for um, the managers who are going to be onboarding these people. So it was stuff like, oh, yeah, it's two weeks before your person starts. Don't forget to order the computer, because like you said, like you obviously would forget that. And then um, the person turns up and you like don't have something for them to work on. So it's kind of a checklist for, I think, sanity for the manager and the team that is bringing that person in. So I think that's one aspect of it. But from the perspective of the new hire, I think it's feeling welcome and included. We try to do... Um, you know, that, that welcome email before they start. We, we try to make sure that we have like a lunch or a coffee set up, um, usually like a pizza lunch or something so that mm. people can kind of come by and do like office hours to meet the new person. Usually people can find time for that, even if we don't have time to do a big, like a formal lunch outside of the office or anything like that. Um, so something casual. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's a lot about empowering, right? So it's giving them the guide and saying, okay, Definitely. here, go, go forth and conquer these things. Um, some of it's like okay, yeah. read up on the benefits, you know, do this activity um, to fill out your resume, you know, that kind of stuff. But some of it is like, hey, here's some housekeeping like kind of chores we have on the team. Like you're here. So can you do some of those? Yes. Um, so it gets, it gets them going on actual tasks and makes them feel like they're contributing yeah. early. Yeah, definitely. I think that empowering people right from the start and giving them the, you know, the autonomy to say, hey, here's a list of 10 things that you need to do. How you make that happen is totally up to you. But um you know, particularly with like scheduling meetings, it's like here are the 10 people that you should talk to, uh, make it happen. Yeah. And then people immediately feel like, OK, I've got something to do. But I think I like what you're saying about having a schedule. And I think going, you know, the onboarding process, um, there should be a plan for here's day one, here's day two. And this is how it kind of plays out to week one, week two, month one, week two. So people understand the, this kind of roadmap of when they're expected to begin to understand when they're expected to begin to contribute and I think um you know yeah, there's lots of things that we can 
you know, we can give them lots of reading to do, uh, but, you know, that's kind of boring. So, the, you know, empowering them to start doing stuff um, and equipping them to do that. Um, and I think there are some really important parts of that, like and helping them understand project process, like step by step. How do projects work here? How do we do what does the you know the project management controls and process how do we do estimating scoping um you know it's, it's different wherever we go and i think when we can equip people with uh things like the, yeah, the operational process um tools how we deal with finances um you know to give them giving them that overview of how stuff works and uh it really sets people up for success and it equips them to start doing stuff quickly um rather than than just just totally floating around um and i think another thing that's um important as well is um giving them things to do when um like a, a bunch of reading or uh, you know tasks like you talked about those, those housekeeping things here are things you can do if you find yourself at a right. loose end so that people aren't just sitting next to you um just scrolling around on facebook waiting for you to um tell them what to do so i think that having that having that plan on company process um project management operational process tools um explaining how to even things like room bookings yeah. conference lines and um, telling them about the clients uh giving them all that you know do's and don'ts um, having that all that kind of information codified um, is really going to speed up um, that process of of onboarding. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms, yeah, and and t in terms of um, doing that, then you know, codifying things like project process, for example, like here's how we do projects, here's how this thing works. What's your what's the way that you you know onboard someone? and try and help them understand that because there's that very high level um here's how projects work but then there's the you know the the reality of kind of day-to-day -day and the kind of minutiae detail how do you yeah onboard people onto your team to do that to be able to manage and deliver projects yeah i think it's a work in progress i think what we found works really well is like you said a combination of giving them a lot of information to read and also giving them some tactical things to to begin to do um, so one one thing that I've tried to do for my projects is to create um, a project initiation document. And I think that um, DPM is a really good post about this, too, um, where it's basically like a one to two page overview of all the projects that are part of the team. And this is also something great for the new hire to update as um, as they start to um, get acclimated to the team and start to meet with people. Um, so it's being able to read up on those things to understand kind of the overview of the project and then um, have conversations with some of the other PMs on the team so that they can kind of learn more about what those folks' portfolios look like and how that they can best contribute um, to their project. And they can learn a little bit more about the tools that um, those PMs use. I don't think we have any kind of standard tools that are consistent, like project over project necessarily, because a lot of our work is really different. Um, right. So it's kind of getting, um, getting into the networking space early on. Um, and understanding that like the way we do business a lot of the time is kind of getting to know the, the project managers and kind of pick and choose the elements of their styles that you like and want to adopt for your own projects, which is, you know, kind of cool. I like the fact that we're kind of um, able to be a bit independent in that regard um, and can kind of tailor our strategies based on what, what we find is effective for the particular client or, or project that we're on. Um, I think the other thing that we did yeah. in the onboarding guide, which I like thought was hilarious, was but but was actually very helpful, people told me. Um, so we hire, um, we tend to hire a lot of um, 
more introverted personality types, I guess, than someone like myself. And so we had in there like literally instructions for how to have a networking meeting, which I just thought was crazy. But people told me it was actually really helpful. It was like, here, you know, here's what you should talk about when you, here's how you should send the request. Here's how you should have a meeting with them. Here's the types of questions you should ask. And people told me it was like really helpful to get to know, like, that, you know, when you, especially if you're uh, somebody who's coming in, you know, with not, with minimal work experience, um, kind of understanding how to get acclimated to the mm. business world. I think that was like really helpful for people to see as well. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's often the things, um, you know, the longer that we've been in an organization, the more blind or blinkered we become yes. um, into our own culture. Mm-hmm. And so when people, when people join, they're the best ones to tell us what we're not telling them. And so I like, I like this idea of giving the the new hire the responsibility to evolve the playbook yeah. and you know be asking them those those questions hey what are we missing here what what aren't we telling you mm-hmm. that um that we're all taking for granted and we do take so much for granted yeah. um i think the yeah the more that we can um try and and you know, you know sometimes as we go through that process of codifying uh the culture or um unpacking it a bit we begin to realize sometimes hey i wonder why we do always do that thing Mm -hmm. um should we be doing that uh and it can help us evaluate it as well but in terms of um perhaps someone who has never created an onboarding manual or an employee handbook um and they're you know they're thinking about they you know someone's beginning next week um they're thinking about how they can prepare What's the single most important thing? I mean, you mentioned the networking advice, but um, of the what's the kind of MVP for you uh, for an employee handbook or the onboarding process? Yeah, I think um, if I had to pick a single thing, I mean, I think it's it's providing. I think one kind of general tip. It's not really a single piece of content to include, but one general tip is not to necessarily have to feel like you're recreating the wheel when you're developing this handbook. Um, so Hmm. basically if there's other, you know, company policies or information like that, that you can like link to, instead of having to regurgitate, that's always good. Um, thinking anything related to, like you talked a little bit about like getting the laptop or maybe company benefits or, um, you know, that type of information, pull that in from elsewhere. Um, and then I think in terms of, um, kind of some of the more tactile stuff, um, having overviews of each of the different projects that your team is working on. I think information on who the team members are is really important. And I think that people tend to overlook that. Um, so we started doing what we call um, capability cards for our team, where everybody kind of writes about like their background and interests. It's kind of like a resume, but it's um, in a little bit more of a fun format. And then it also has interesting facts about people too. So you can get to know them. And then the way we make sure that the cards are up to date mm-hmm. is that the new hire gets tasked with like, going out to the team members and asking them to update them. So then that's how like they get to kind of come in contact with each of the team members too um, in their first week of starting, which is pretty cool. And then finally, I think it's, um, this is probably specific to maybe me because I was a former editor, but um, I always like to make sure that folks are really clear on like what our QA and style guide looks like um, from the get go. Because I think one thing that's really good to get um, newer people engaged on is kind of, doing final reviews of some of our, our documents from because they do bring that fresh perspective um, and kind of yes. getting a handle for how we um, write, how we deliver is really good for, um, for their education development yeah. as well. Awesome. Cool. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today and for all your great advice on onboarding and um, making sure that we do that well.
So what do you think? Have you? Sure, absolutely. This was a uh, great session. So if you've had a good experience of onboarding or if you've created a great employee handbook, um, I'd love you to share that with us and tell us what you think makes a good onboarding experience in the comments below. And if you want to learn more and get ahead in your work, I'd love to invite you to come and join our tribe with DPM membership. Head to the digitalprojectmanager.com forward slash membership to get access to our Slack team, templates, workshops, office hours, ebooks, and more. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe. Take a couple of minutes to leave us an honest review. We really appreciate it. And until next time, thanks for listening.